Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. I am here with my producer, Joey. Joey, thank you for being here. Hi, Bridget. Thanks for having me. Joey, how is your week going? Um, it's been all right. Uh, I could not talk for the first half of this week, which is not <laughs> fun. Uh, but my voice is back, which is great. Been going good since then, so we'll see where it goes. Well, I'm glad it's back. It is sounding smooth and great. Thank you. Let's use that voice to talk about some of these new stories from the internet that y'all might have missed. So if you listen to this week's There Are No Girls on the Internet, then you heard all about Ashton Kutcher's anti-trafficking organization, Thorn. So if you listen to that episode, then you know that social media platforms do not often allow adult content from humans. Because of legislation like SESTA-FOSTA, social media platforms really crack down even harder than they already were on anyone posting content that involves sexuality on their platforms because of how that legislation really broadly interprets sexual content. Basically, you can't post anything related to sexuality and like that that definition is very broad. And it just sort of leaves up to the platforms like what they think might be considered sexual content or not. So anything that people post that even obliquely references sexual content 
very often it's closely monitored and gets taken down. Was this where this was? <laughs> remember the like Tumblr porn ban like a couple years back? Oh yeah, so I, th- I think about it all the time. I, like that was because of this, right? This was like around yep. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so funny because I, I, I don't think Tumblr's been relevant since then. Which I, I, I don't know. Which <laughs> there's a lot. No, Tumblr has not been relevant since then, and it really had a broad, like broad consequences for the internet, right? Yeah. Like it completely restructured the internet landscape. I have argued, this is just like my take, so like, take that for what it's worth. I have argued that I think that was the beginning, and a couple of other things, but Tumblr banning sexual content and adult content was the beginning of sort of that kind of existential question of like, what is the internet for being answered with like, well, it's to make money, right? And so if like, if Tumblr has to ban sexual or adult content in order to make money, then it's like, well, is this is the internet really for community building or connecting with each other or finding information about identity? No, it's about making corporations money. Yeah. So huge implications for the entire restructuring of the internet that we still feel today. So even though social media companies, thanks to legislation like SESTA-FOSTA, really crack down on and closely monitor sexual content, That might actually not be the case when it comes to AI-generated sexual content, because NBC did an investigation that found that startups are running explicit advertisements for AI-generated adult content on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. So this investigation found that about 35 app developers are running sexually explicit ads on apps owned by all of those social media companies. The app developers are running more than 1,000 ads in all, many of them easily discoverable and viewable from Meta's online library of ads, which the public has access to. There were 14 app developers running hundreds more sexually provocative ads on TikTok, NBC News found. Um, This is a little bit weird. For some reason, a lot of the ads use memes that include like popular children's television characters like i saw one ad that was like cookie monster making a face and it's like that face when you don't know that you could be having a virtual girlfriend a a virtual ai girlfriend who meets all your needs and i was like why would cookie monster want a virtual (laughs) cookie monster is very clear about what he wants it's cookies it's not an ai generated (laughs) virtual girlfriend i think it's just cookies yeah, no, that's so weird. You know what this is making me think of too is like, remember all those like, which I guess you still have, but there, there's the the whole thing about like the weird pop up ads that'll come up that are like, especially for like video games, like online mm-hmm. games where there's a lot of like video game characters, like you know, very sexually provocative kind of things. And it, I, I, it's it's interesting. This is sort of the direction. Damn, yeah, like memes like children's TV show memes. That's, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> it's exactly that, right? Like oftentimes they have like, and like, like kind of teenager looking young women in like anime style. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that for whatever reason, they are gearing it toward younger audiences because of the heavy use of like SpongeBob and Cookie Monster and anime girls. But uh, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I mean, I hope it's, I, I don't know. I'm I'm willing to say I don't think that's totally geared towards younger audiences. <laughs> I think there's uh unfortunately some probably older adults, uh adult men for the most part, they're trying to get with that kind of stuff too. But yeah, wow, that's that's interesting. It's it's very it's very interesting. So NBC reported that this is all part of a larger push to mine people who might be interested in AI generated content in general, but also adult content. NBC says 
The marketing push is part of an AI gold rush in which app developers, most of them based abroad, are mining customers who are interested in sexual or romantic connections with digital characters. It's part of a larger movement to capitalize on the surge of interest in AI, following the popularity of tech startup OpenAI's ChatGPT product, which reset expectations for what AI chatbots are capable of. So these developers are basically like, oh, well, if an AI chatbot can like write your term paper or you know, write a legal brief, maybe it could also be your romantic partner or your sexual partner. And maybe there are people who are interested in that. And let's find, let's like early on mine who those people are so we can sell this kind of content to them. Yeah. I, it's, you know, I'm not surprised. Like, I feel like this is always sort of going to be like, but there's some, I can't remember what it is. There's some like thing that's like, everything on the internet like there's some porn version of it or whatever there's mm-hmm. like yeah which i like it, it's it's not surprising like that that's just sort of been where like humanity and the internet is gone but um <laughs> yeah huh ai girlfriend i guess ai girlfriends and so what's what's also kind of interesting about this is this push has also hurt real human sex workers who are already surveilled and targeted for what they post online Sex workers are not allowed to make money off of their image, but some tech bro who's creating a similar AI image is. That's from Carolina R., a research fellow at Northumbria University and the Center for Digital Citizens in the United Kingdom. Yeah, that that seems like the problem because... I don't know. I mean, if you want to have a romantic relationship with like an AI thing or a, a you know, robot, that's fine. Whatever. You do you. I don't care. But like, sex workers are still criminalized for doing the same work. I mean, I think your your like apprehension and sort of I just it just feels not great to think that a human sex worker, sex workers are already marginalized online, is further c- criminalized and surveilled for posting their likeness on social media platforms. But if some tech bro wanted to make money and generate revenue off of something similar, they could, and like they, they might, they might not be as surve- surveilled as as closely. Certainly, would not be criminalized for it the way that sex workers are. And so, I think it, it raises some questions about equity and about you know the like who is allowed to do what in this new sort of technology facilitated world that we live in. Yeah, that's so. The I I. Hmm. There's there's so many concerning things that can come out of this, and I'm sure you're going to explain more of that. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing to note is that, as you were kind of alluding to before, these AI-generated characters are traditionally sexy, kind of looking young women. And it's clear that they are targeting men in these ads, which adds to this double standard that we see a lot in technology and on social media, where sexual content that is geared toward heterosexual men is kind of okay on social media platforms. R says that she believes that this all reflects a gender bias slant. Social media platforms freely allow sex-related ads only if the intended audience is men. Hundreds of ads appear to come close to the crossing the line of what Meta or TikTok would say that they would not allow in advertising. Now, Meta's advertising standards say that ads must not contain adult content, including depictions of people in explicit or suggestive positions or activities that are overtly sexual or sexual, sexually provocative. They also say that ads cannot focus on, quote, sexual pleasure. But here is where the gender bias aspect comes in. We've talked about this in another newscast, this report from the Center for Intimacy Justice that found, for instance, that Facebook ads allowing things like Viagra are fine, but then Facebook rejects ads related to the sexual health of anybody who is not a cisgender man, right? So like 
the ads for pelvic pain or postpartum issues are are rejected because Facebook says, oh, well, those relate to sexual pleasure. But then sexual wellness or sexual health ads that are for cis men, those are those are something else. Like it's like who like whose sexual now whose sexual wellness do you consider, you know, about pleasure and thus disallowed? And whose do you consider like, oh well that's a health or a medical issue. So that's fine. Yeah, that's that's so messed up. I that makes me so mad. Especially I mean it's it's so obvious. There's so many, you know, we could have a whole conversation about like gender bias and like the medical system in general, but it's it's so hard as somebody with somebody with a uterus to get your your problems taken seriously, your medical health, your your medical problems taken seriously particularly when it comes to like sexual health. Yeah, and and some of it has nothing to do with sex. Some of it has it's just, you know, the organs that are in your body. There's also this is ironic cuz I I just I keep getting Hulu ads for like male health supplements in particular. And a lot of it has to do with like uh, erectile dysfunction and stuff. I don't need that because I don't have those parts. <laughs> I don't know why Hulu thinks that I do, but it's, it's, it's weird. I, this, I, I, the, the dots are connecting because I do keep getting these ads and I'm like, why I, this you should be putting your your advertising money somewhere else. Apparently, I don't know. That's so yeah. Bad. Somebody somebody is doing some frivolous spending with their ad dollars. On yeah, that one. but it's interesting because like, I, like I I don't get ads targeted. I mean, ads targeted to women's and like not like non cis men sexual wellness products. So if you're non-binary, a lot of a lot of platforms don't allow for anything that's related to you, like what you might be looking for in terms of sexual wellness or sexual health. Yet it's it's just very clearly clear that somebody has made a decision about whose sexual wellness is like quote valid and whose isn't. And it's very clear that the in the is bucket is cis men, and those are the yeah. products that you are allowed to advertise on social media platforms patriarchy is real you know <laughs> it is real it is insidious and also it is wasting the ad spends of it these really companies really every time i get one of those ads i'm like i i gotta work in media i get kind of how this works i'm like what what is the point of this if you're collecting all my data where we're not using it correctly apparently right it's, it's so weird meta said our policies prohibit ads containing adult content that is overly suggestive or sexually provocative whether it's ai generated or not our policies and enforcement are designed to adapt in this highly adversarial space, and we actively monitor, monitor new trends in AI-generated content. But they did not answer NBC's questions about, if that is the case, how these ads got through in the first place. Meta only removed them after NBC reached out for the article. So I guess the question really is, like, why are human sex workers or humans who want to post anything related to sexuality cracked down on and surveilled so strictly when it kind of seems like AI generated content that is sexual is enforced less so. Like, I don't know the answer to that question, but it definitely seems like social media platforms might be putting a little more scrutiny on humans than they are on when that content is AI generated. Yeah. This is such a like extreme version too of the the way that like quote unquote like female bodies, women's bodies are are so hypersexualized and so like it's so normalized that there's something to be consumed and something to be like you know, yeah, something to be consumed. We're like, yeah, again, if it if it if it were the opposite and I I'm sure if there were like 
ads with, again, quote unquote, male bodies, not trying to enforce the gender binary here. But like if, if those were being used, it probably would have been cracked down on way sooner or way more harshly. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it is scary. It is scary to see that like AI is kind of one of one of the other ways is it's just kind of like messing with these power structures is that mm-hmm. it's like like the sex workers that would be you know benefiting from the labor that they're doing at least to some extent and it is labor that they're doing uh that can be like pushed aside so easily and that that yeah. can that kind of of commodification can be recreated in a way that you don't actually have to compensate workers and it's almost like all of this is stemming from the same problem but you know very well put <laughs> Um, and yeah, I just think there's, as you put it so aptly, it's interesting to me how, I guess, like, quote, like, the the female form, like, like not, again, not to, like, reinforce that binary, but, like, what we understand uh, online as, like, quote, like, the female form is only really allowed when it is being consumed, when, like, the, when, like, it's not a sex worker posting their image online to get compensated for that, it, you know, in an exchange of like services for money, absolutely not. If it's a tech bro who is creating this like fantasy AI chatbot girlfriend or something for other men to consume, it feels like that is in a completely different sphere than when someone has agency over their sexuality and is using that because they, in a way that they want you to compensate from it. Like it's just very interesting to me what how, and and how much power platforms have in determining that like what is and is not okay, what is and is not allowed, what is and is not like, quote, sexual content, what what sexual content is or is not valid. It's so interesting to me how much power platforms have to shape these things. And I would argue way too much power. Yeah. Final note, I guess. I, I keep thinking of what I always say, one of my favorite comedies, um, Ex Machina, uh, which is a great movie about, you know, the tech bro hubris, uh, <laughs> I would say. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but if you've seen the ending of that movie, it's... Oh my God, it's... we. I joke, we, I, I almost spoiled beautiful. it. Please, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. <laughs> I recreate the ending in my household all the time as a joke. Not not really. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But like, that is a that is an often referenced movie in my home. I know. I like, and again, it is it is one of those movies where it's it's the extremes of this, and it is like it it is genuinely terrifying. I think to to watch and see the extremes of this, but again, the the ending I think perfectly ties it together is a perfect sort of like good for her narrative, uh, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, and you know, maybe 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 reality will reflect art. We'll see. I guess. Oh well, we can only hope. So, complete <laughs> complete side note. Complete like left turn no signal have you seen the movie fire island on hulu yes (laughs) do you remember the part where they're playing the game heads up it's like the best scene in the movie and he's trying to get the clue for um marissa tomei and he's like uh alexandra vikander (laughs) like alexandra vikander you don't remember marissa tomei but you remember alexandra vikander she was great in ex machina (laughs) it's like my favorite scene anyway this is this is like off the rails Great movie. Another great movie. Two equally, uh, you know, (laughs) cultural masterpieces. Oh, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. Hi, it's Bridget Todd 
host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. Okay, so speaking of legislation that can powerfully reshape the internet, I have a little bit of news on the Kids Online Safety Act front, and that is that this week, 100 parents of trans youth wrote a letter to senators and all organizations who support the Kids Online Safety Act saying that it would make their kids less safe. The letter is, the whole letter is worth a read, but here's some a, a good bit of it. They write, we hold deep sympathy for parents whose kids have been harmed by big tech social media companies and their abusive business practices. Our kids have also been harmed by these companies' greed, their addictive design, their intrusive surveillance, their failure to address online hate, bullying, and abuse. But legislation like the Kids Online Safety Act would make our kids less safe, not more safe. It would grant extraordinary new power to right-wing state attorneys general to dictate which content young users can see on social media, cutting our kids off from life-saving online resources and community. These are the same attorneys general that are actively working to ban gender-affirming health care that saves kids' lives, criminalizing drag performances, and label families that accept our children as groomers and child abusers. 
COSA would also incentivize big tech platforms to engage in even more intrusive data collection, which disproportionately puts trans kids and their families at risk. And as more and more states strip us of our rights and criminalize our kids' healthcare, education, and very existence. Uh, the whole letter is definitely worth a read. Like, I really applaud these parents for, for sending this letter and for sticking up for these, their kids in this way. Um, I will say, parents, these parents are not wrong for being concerned about this. Like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. I feel like some of the organizations who are behind this legislation and who are supportive of this legislation have really been, I would argue, pretty clear about how they feel about trans folks and how they are planning to use this legislation as a way to further censor um, LGBTQ content and label that as a threat to youth. The same thing that we were talking before about how when legislation that is about changing the internet to protect kids, oftentimes they will label content harmful, but like have a pretty broad definition of what that harm is, just leaving it up to platforms or attorneys general to decide what is harmful. And so Family Policy Alliance, a conservative group, asked Senator Marsha Blackburn, who is one of the senators who introduced the Kids Online Safety Act, uh, about what, the, what she thought were the top issues impacting uh, us today. And here's what she had to say. Protecting minor children from the transgender and this culture and that influence. And I would add to that watching what's happening on social media. And I've got the Kids Online Safety Act that I think we're going to end up getting through um, probably this summer. Uh, this would put a duty of care and responsibility on the social media platforms. And this is where children are being indoctrinated. They're hearing things at school and then they're getting onto YouTube to watch a video and all of a sudden this comes to them. Uh, and they're on Snapchat or they're on Instagram and they click on something and the next thing you know they're being inundated with it. Parents need to be watching this, teachers need to be watching, and protecting our children and making certain that they are not exposed to things that they are emotionally not mature enough to handle. See, this my immediate response is just like rage too. It is like a combination of like this is the It's uh, enraging. <laughs> every time every time I hear the transgender, I'm like yeah. What? Like, I, that's so, I, I, the transgender, the singular transgender, it is, oh my God, I don't even. Yeah, nothing says that, like, you, just from the way that she refers to trans folks, it's like pretty, it's like pretty clear from like, even intonation, like what she, what she thinks, like how she feels. Like I said, like, it's like, yeah, anybody who watches that clip, I feel like it's, clear how Marsha Blackburn feels. I don't I don't feel like she's making any making it confusing for us to understand what she's what she's trying to say and how she feels. Right. It's again with this legislation, it it's so it makes me so angry. And I, I try to, you know and, and this is the thing that I, I think sucks about this kind of stuff and sucks about a lot of this stuff that's coming from the right is like there is no way to like argue at them that it's like this is wrong and I, and I think again it, the thing that sucks is the majority of, of, of the everyday people that are going to see this and be like I support it it's because they they just see the the you know headline of this is 
going to make the internet safer for kids and not actually looking into what they're saying. But it is so obvious whenever they open their mouths to speak about this, that it is it has nothing to do with keeping kids safe. You're making it you're you're arguably creating a not even arguably you are creating a less safe environment for kids because like, yeah, if you're creating an environment where it is it is not safe for kids to come out to their parents, it is not safe for kids to like express their true identity. That's dangerous. That is going to lead to kids dying. It's just it's so infuriating. And at the same time, it's like the hell like you're such a fucking idiot i like i I don't know what else to say it's it's like yeah again the transgender indoctrination like a lot of these people are also again it's like the christian nationalist right where it's like no y'all are the ones that do that shit you're all the ones indoctrinating like i don't i've never had somebody try to convince me that i'm trans or queer or whatever it's usually the opposite actually Again, it is so mask off. It is so they're not even like they're not hiding. They're not hiding what the intentions of this bill are. And and that is the frustrating part about all of this. But yeah, this legislation, I mean, I I really like went through an evolution where I was like, because I for the longest time was like, oh, we need to do something like, you know, I know how much tech companies harm kids. And like when this legislation was introduced, I was like, oh, maybe they're doing something. And it all it took was like sitting, like, I basically it urge people to like look and see what is actually in the legislation like it took me sitting down and like going through it and being like wait a minute this is not good I don't think this is going to serve its intended purpose and I can pretty clearly just like with Sesta Basta I can pretty clearly see like what this kind of legislation could lead to on top of people like Marsha Blackburn and the Heritage Foundation openly saying what they are planning on using it for which Spoiler alert, it's like cracking down on LGBTQ content. Yeah. And Senator Blackburn, after this interview, her legislative director was like, no, the senator was was taken out of context. First of all, I don't know how just being asked a question and then <laughs> the whole answer unedited from beginning to end is, is like what you see. I don't know what context was like taken out or like mis, you know, m- misreported. But I'm, I'm, I'm going, like, we're going to, like, you just heard her entire answer unedited. That was what she said. Her legislative director was like, oh, the senator was discussing two different separate things. I guess, quote, transgender indoctrination and then the, the Kids Online Safety Act. I don't buy it. I think that they're trying to backpedal. I think that she said, I don't think that she misspoke. Her legislative director said that she was taken out of context and that she was, that she misspoke. I don't think either of those is true. I think that she said exactly what she meant to say. I think that people understood it as she meant it, as intended. And then when she was like, oh, wait, this actually gives away why we are pushing for this, then tried to backpedal. I think that it's clear. It's like, it seems pretty clear to me what she intended to say. And I think it was this. I think, I think how we're interpreting it is the way that she meant it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I think, I think it's a, it's a clear sign of a, how unpopular this sort of blatant transphobia is on a national stage, but also like what, like what the strategy is, because I I feel like this keeps happening where, where right-wing politicians will say explicitly transphobic, explicitly like horrible shit about the trans community. And then they'll come out or their spokesperson will come out and be like, 
that's not what I meant. I meant blah, blah, blah. Because, again, it's, it's there like, been studies that have shown that, like, the, this kind of legislation isn't popular on, you know, the, like, transphobia isn't, isn't the dominant ideology of, like, the U.S., uh, even though, like, the right wing wants to paint it as this is just sort of what most people think. But yeah, so they so they have to hide behind this like, oh, I miss it was taken out of context. It's about protecting kids. As you talked about in the episode earlier this week, it's it's scary to see the kind of things that people can get away with under the label of just protecting kids. And and that is always again, it it's it's terrible that this has kind of gotten to the point where it where it is like this, but it's kind of a red flag now. Whenever something is labeled as being about protecting kids, look into it because you never know what it's actually going to be. Everybody can agree that like, yeah, we should protect kids. But yeah, it's, it's, what does that actually mean? I completely agree. And I do think that this legislation, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of it too, because it took me a little bit of time to like, actually, I listened to your stuff. I'm ever told you episode, which was very informative. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it took me like sitting down and actually like, going through the proposed legislation and like the background to be like, wait a minute, no on this. But I think that there's, I think that people are starting to come around. I think that enough people who care about the internet and enough like advocates for an open internet and enough like LGBTQ advocates and folks are speaking up about this legislation. And I also just think that like, I don't know, this is not a fully fleshed out thought, but I think that people are really becoming tired of the ways that our internet experience is just becoming worse and worse. And I think this legislation might be a real like crescendo point where people have kind of had enough. I think that for when this legislation first came out, I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. But I think that recently I've seen more and more people being like, wait, like really look into this before you advocate for it. I went from seeing organizations that are I guess I would say kind of aligned with youth online being like, oh, we like it to now not really talking about it so much. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we've reached an inflection point with this where people are like, no, this is actually not what we need. And this is just like another way to make our internet yet another battleground on which to like demonize and criminalize trans youth. And I think, as you said, people are sick of that. Yeah, and again, thank you. Thank you. I, I uh, go check out that episode on on stuff Mom never told you if you're interested in hearing more. But a uh, big shout out, and I, I said in the episode, big shout out to a lot of these like TikTok creators that have been covering it because that's how I found out about this. I hadn't heard about this. I I didn't really hear people talking about this until I was seeing people on TikTok and still seeing like a lot of young people on TikTok um, using their platform to advocate for or to to talk about this issue and to talk about this this legislation and how it's going to be harmful. Um, So, yeah, like grassroots organizing is important. And again, this ties into the whole conversation about social media and the Internet being monitored because TikTok is a platform for that. And TikTok is a platform for a lot of young people in particular to, to advocate for themselves and for other communities. And I think we owe it to a lot of these activists on TikTok, the fact that this is getting more attention and this is getting more pushback now. Absolutely. I agree. So thanks to folks who use their platform on TikTok to advocate and educate and speak out. I Thank God we have platforms like this to do that. Thank God we have places where p- folks can use their platforms to talk about legislation in this way that is accessible, that can help educate all of us. So I'm right there with you. Completely agree. 
Okay, so funny update for you on the question of whether an AI-generated song can win a Grammy. So can an AI-generated song win a Grammy? Well, it's complicated. A while back, we told you that the Grammy said that only songs with human songwriters, not AI, were eligible to win a Grammy. We had a whole conversation about how that was. I thought it was like really good, like a line in the sand. The Grammys are for humans, not AI. I was joking about how like, I don't want a robot to perform at the Grammys. I want to see like Gloria Estefan or like Celine Dion. Like I don't want to see a robot. I want to see a human. It's for humans. Well, this week, the head of the Grammys, the Recording Academy CEO, Harvey Mason Jr., kind of indicated that an AI-generated song that kind of sounds like The Weeknd and, and Drake called Heart on My Sleeve would be Grammy eligible. And everybody was like, what? I thought you said that it had to have a human songwriter in order to be eligible for a Grammy. Previously, Mason Jr. told the New York Times the song was absolutely eligible because it was written by a human. Okay. But now he is saying that song is not eligible because even though it's written by a human, this like writer, the songwriter on social media that's like kind of mysterious, it's like not, it's like not a songwriter that you've heard of. It's like some person on social media, even though it might have been written by a human technically, that human did not get legal clearances to use the weekend or Drake's vocal likenesses. So the Grammy is saying that that disqualifies the song for winning Song of the Year or Best Rap Song, which are the two categories it was submitted to. Earlier this summer, Mason Jr. laid out new rules for whether songs using AI were Grammy eligible. They said that AI-assisted music could be submitted only if humans, quote, contributed heavily to the song. And I guess all of this is to say that I think it's like pretty clear that these rules might be a little too subjective. You know, what does heavily contributed mean? It seems like maybe they're kind of building the plane as they fly it a little bit in terms of coming up with these rules and guidelines. And I know I, I reference this a lot, but it does sound like the reality is progressing quite a bit faster than the rules are being written, that this has changed, you know, that he was like, oh, it's absolutely eligible for a Grammy, despite being AI generated, to like, no, just kidding, it's not eligible for a Grammy within the span of a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. Like, it, it does, it does sort of feel like they're scrambling, because they don't, they don't know how to respond to this. And yeah, we talked last week, you know, more about like, the film industry and how that's kind of been affected by changing industries and changing economies and all of that. But again, with music, it's one of those things where it's, it's art is so fundamental to like the human experience. And it is sort of like, you know, part of me, like gets very existential about this where it is like, or we're, we're taking away like, Oh my God, there was some tweet. I don't remember what, who said or whatever. There's some tweet I remember seeing that was like, so like, can AI be used to like, help clean up the ocean or is it only going to be making art and like right. poetry and all that which I was like yeah I know it's like why are we why are we having AI do the stuff that's like fun and it is like you know people wanted it is part again it's, it's such a fundamental part of the human experience part of me is like you know the closest I can compare this to like previously is with like you know when, when it came to like electronic music and like how that was sort of thought about when it originally popped up and that makes me a little bit more like, okay, like I think if, if we were using an AI a little bit to like, as a, a part of the process, but yeah, it is, it is that, that like the weekend, like the weekend and, and Drake not giving their permission to use their voice or their likeness or their whatever, that definitely feels like a red flag. Cause it is, it is like that, that seems to me where it's like, that is clearly not okay. And I'm I but who's to say, I, I don't, 
And again, it is one of those things where it's like the Grammys are coming from more of like the, the business industry side. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put it past them to be like, yep, it's all fine. This is all great. <laughs> we love it all. We love it all. Yeah. I, I saw this um, video of the director, is it Miyazaki from the, from like My Neighbor Totoro yeah. and Princess. And basically the animators were showing him this character that they had trained using AI. And he was like, Absolutely not. I think the fuck not. He he shut it down. He was like, the point of art is meant to be human. It's meant to be humans responding to the human condition. And like, he he was so deeply and genuinely offended by what he saw as this like shortcut around the humanity and the humanness of art and expression. And it just really stuck with me. I I once tr- I once thought it would be like funny and cool to to like talk to an AI podcast host version of myself and when I sat down and started like putting that together I was like wait actually I hate this I don't I don't want to hear an AI I don't want to hear like an AI version of me like like as I just didn't like like as we've talked about off mic Joey like I'm I'm if folks can't tell I'm having an off recording day. The idea of AI is like, well, I can come in and I'll always sound prepared and eloquent and thoughtful and this and that. I was like, get rid of this AI. I don't like it. It's just like, it's just like not how it's supposed to be. Sometimes like part of human, part of art is connecting to our humanity. And sometimes that humanity is, has off days or is messy or is tough or is this or is that. And I just, as you said, I think the fact that business interests are so excited about about AI makes me think that what they want is to cut out the version that that the version of our of creation that is human that is like has the off day, isn't prepared, came late, doesn't it doesn't have this, doesn't have that. They they it was it's in their best bottom line interest to prioritize versions of creation that like never experienced those those. Things that humans experience. I don't know. I'm I'm going I'm going like way way too deep on this, but I I all of that is to say no. that I know what you mean. You're so right, though. It is like how many and I mean so much so much of it is like we'll never know. But think about how many like uh, uh, recordings of songs that we listen to that maybe came out of like, the musician having an off day. Like I, that is part of art. Emotions are part of art, and having that again, very very on, very like manicured version of a of a person being the only thing that can create art seems like we're just gonna lose a lot of yeah like lose a lot of the actual art lose a lot of the the the, the good stuff that comes out of I you don't have to get it's the um oh man this maybe this is going in a different direction but that one there's a there's one recording of Fleetwood Mac singing uh Silver Springs. And it's, Are they it's singing like, it to each other? Where they're singing it to each other and oh they're my God. so angry. Like they look so angry and it's like it is one of the most beautiful things. It is one of the most beautiful things to listen to. Like can you imagine if we didn't get that because they were like nope you guys can't stand to be in the same room so we're just not going to record. Like so much of art comes from that anger and comes from those like quote unquote bad emotions. Like what I, I, yeah this just Joey you've just said my like 
my like trigger phrase for like like if we if we were if this if this conversation was happening at a cocktail party I would be cornering your ass all oh night God. talking about that one performance. It's insane. I have studied it. I have like seen it so many times. It's and like you can just feel the emotion and the energy between right? them. I was. It's one of the most like beautiful things ever, and it comes from and I, like again, I'm sure it comes from so much bad emotion, so many like quote, like negative bad emotions from both of them. But yeah, I know I I totally agree. I would I would go off about this for hours. That is a beautiful beautiful <laughs> song, and uh, you know what? It's just depressing to think that AI can take away that that take away that that humanity. That yeah, I mean. We did an episode about the um, hologram version of Whitney Houston was doing a residency in Vegas. And in the episode, one of the things that it sort of comes up is the implication that, you know, Whitney Houston was this like incredibly talented musician, but she was, she had a troubled life. And that the implication in like making her a hologram, is like, oh, well, this is a version of her that we can like have produce perfect live performances forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We'll never be hungover or late or, you know, on substances or be distracted by her romantic life or, you know, and it's like, but those were all part of what made her music, her music. And so like, it's like, I don't, I don't like this implication that via technology, you can pick the parts that you like, right? Like if you want to listen to Fleetwood Mac, part of what makes Fleetwood Mac good is the drama off stage. Is like <laughs> when they bring that to their performances, that's what makes it electric. Unless you're one of the robots from the movie Ex Machina, robots are probably not having romantic drama. I don't think AI is having romantic drama with each other off stage. Yeah. I, I again and I you know, obviously addiction's bad, addiction's real. Not not to romanticize any of that, but like I we were talking before this. I'm wearing a T-Rex shirt right now. Like I love a lot of like 70s era like rock and so much of that is has this terrible, terrible, you know, trauma behind it. But it is like we got good music out of it. And again, not to, I don't know where I'm going with this. That I know sad. what you like, mean. Like, it's it, it's not good. It's it, That being said, like, again, like, addiction's bad. Certain drug usage is harmful for people. But that's part of the human experience is being messy and making mistakes and messing up. And, and art comes from those mistakes and comes from messing up and is oftentimes a way to cope with that. Which again, yeah, and again, like part of part of the beauty of music and, and movies and, and and literature and all of this is it it oftentimes is going to reflect things that we're feeling that we don't know how to explain. Like, I I'm not a musician. I don't have the the talents to express these feelings musically. But like, I love listening to like my favorite artists talking about it and talking about experiences that I'm going through. You know, I can go cry to a Phoebe Bridgers song, and yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's just it's 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 sad to see. <laughs> sad to see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, I just we are two people who care quite a bit about art and expression and yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure that that even in our you know tech futures the beauty and the humanity of that I want to make sure that is protected and uplifted and preserved. So, I guess I hope that that is the way that it is in the future. For sure. more after a quick break. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways. 
but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let's get right back into it. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk about is a story from my hometown. Susanna Gibson is a nurse practitioner running in her first election cycle as a Democratic candidate in a crucial race for the Virginia General Assembly. She is denouncing reports that she and her husband performed live in a sexually explicit streaming site. Gibson said that these reports about her online activity were an illegal invasion of her privacy designed to humiliate her and her family. So none of the news outlets who reported on this have independently verified these live streams, I should say. But it looks like Gibson and her husband got on this um, streaming site called Chatrobate and had sex with each other on this live stream. So this race that she is running in is a really crucial race for Virginia. The House of Delegates is one of the only handfuls of competitive races that will determine control of the General Assembly. Republicans hold a slim majority in the House and Democrats narrowly control the state Senate, but both chambers are up for grabs in November. Her district is right outside of Richmond, Virginia in Henrico County, which is actually more or less where I grew up and where my parents and family still live. 
And her district is one of seven toss-up seats across the 100-member House, according to the Virginia Public Access Project. So this was all first reported by the Washington Post, who said that it learned about the material from a, quote, Republican operative who denied connection to Gibson's opponent, David Owen, or to other political groups in Virginia. Now, obviously, I've worked on campaigns before. Oppo research is a thing that happens in campaigns. But to be honest, I'm kind of side-eyeing the post here who published sexual dirt on a woman given to them by her rival political party. You know, even though they, this person is like, oh, I, I don't work for her opponent, they do call this person a Republican operative. And I just think it's dirty politics. Like, I think it's unbecoming of the race. I, I just don't think it's cool that the Post thought this was like newsworthy or relevant to, you know, publish. In an article about why they published the claims, the Post wrote, the Post typically does not identify victims of alleged sex crimes to protect their privacy. In this case, Gibson originally live-streamed these sexual acts on a site that was not password-protected. The couple had more than 5,700 followers there. Many of the videos remained available to the public on other unrestricted sites as of Saturday. Uh, Gibson apparently was not aware of this and had not authorized the posting of this material on other sites. Uh, So to be super, super clear, Gibson nor her husband did anything illegal in making these videos. It is not illegal to film yourself having sex. It is not illegal to put it on a live stream site. The platform that hosted these videos does apparently have a rule against asking for tips for specific sex acts, which apparently Gibson and her husband did. But okay, so the Washington Post is like publishing that this woman may or may not have broken chat rebates, no tipping, like no asking for tips rules. It just seems to me like very beneath them to publish this at all, not to mention it might be a crime. Daniel P. Watkins, a lawyer for Gibson, said that it was unlawful in Virginia to record someone in a state of undress and distribute it to a third party without that person's consent. It's illegal and it's disgusting to disseminate this kind of material, and we're working closely with the FBI and local prosecutors to bring those wrongdoers to justice, her attorney said. I have to give major sh- like shout outs to Gibson because she is saying that like this is not going to derail her campaign. She said, it won't intimidate me and it won't silence me. My political opponents and their Republican allies have proven they're willing to commit a sex crime to attack me and my family because there's no line they won't cross to silence women when they speak up. And I'm also glad to see that people in the like big D Democratic institution are sticking up for her. Susanna originally ran for office because of the overturning of Roe, and she's been very outspoken on standing up for reproductive rights. People are coming out in support of Susanna because they know that Republicans are coming after her because she was standing up for them. This is from a spokesperson named Lauren Chu. Yeah, good for good for her for, I, I again, like standing up for herself. And, you know, it seems like I, I again, I, obviously, it's a terrible situation, but I'm glad that people are standing behind her, too, because it, it does seem like something where. You know, I this makes me think of like I feel like there definitely has been a shift in like the last couple of years about how we talk about like these leaks of you know, I like when I grew up it was always like the like celebrities nudes getting leaked or like their sex tape, like the Kim Kardashian sex tape and all that. Like it's it's which I feel like was all there was for a while it was very it was used to used to attack women and used to attack and many times when it was like it's consensual it's not a your business what they're doing in their sex life as long as it's consensual like adults and all of that um and i i'm glad like i i and i don't know how much of this is like part of a bigger push but it, it does seem like there is kind of a shift where 
yeah, I'm like good for her for being like, I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't. In fact, what they did is illegal. You know, I think it is like, again, this is this is a bigger scale version of this. But it's like when we talk about like revenge porn and like that kind of thing where where I, th- I think it is good to see that there's kind of this shift on, about now, like, hey, whatever people, adults have sex sometimes it's a thing that happens we all are aware of that you know that that's not the problem the problem is the fact that people are gonna like use that and weaponize that and we live in a you know world where we have the internet and and yeah like the things happen people whatever people do things it's their personal business I'm, I'm glad there is kind of this shift where it is sort of like yeah and again it is this is illegal what the republicans were doing in this case and it's terrifying we were talking about like you know double standards with men and women when it comes to sex also like at the top of this like if you just think historically like we know so much about like the kennedy's sex lives and all mm-hmm. that and that's like a joke like it's like almost celebrated like it's almost sort of like haha it's this cool thing about JFK, he slept around a lot. And it, I don't know, like, it is like, like, it, it is that double standard where it is like, why is that like a thing that's like, that's cool. That's, but, and then like in this situation, you know, I'm sure if JFK were around now, he would be making a sex tape. I'm gonna- oh, oh my God, of course. <laughs> like, it, at the very, at the, at the very my, least. <laughs> my, uh, my, uh, controversial presidential opinion. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it is. It is so. That is, and and again, good for her. This is terrifying. This is a that is a terrible situation to be in. But good for her for standing up for herself. And that's it's messed up. And yeah, good for her. I I hope this doesn't affect her campaign because yeah, yeah. I I think you're right. I I think slash hope that we've reached a new era of this kind of thing where I am happy that she's not just like quote resigning in disgrace because she didn't do anything disgraceful i'm happy that she's not letting this define her campaign and i also think like what does any of this have to do with the issues right like she it like she says that she was motivated to run for office because of threats to reproductive health and so it's like that's a big issue i don't know it just it just it just feels like beneath everybody I think I think I think it's beneath people might disagree, but I, I I don't think it's fitting to publish these kinds of, yeah. you know, like I just I, I don't think I don't like how is this going to help Virginians? You know, how is this going? How is this going to move policy forward? I, I just I, I don't think it's like worthy of making it this big of a thing about her campaign. I will say, like, to your point about the Kennedys, I think that. Donald Trump definitely set a new standard for like what is expected and and how public officials are like meant to behave. Like, let's not forget in a civil trial, a jury found that Trump sexually abused E. Jean Carroll. So like an actual sex crime, right? Like we have convicted. Yeah. Like sex criminals that are, that were the president of the United States. And exactly. Why, like, and I'm sure these are, again, I'm sure a lot, like, the Republicans that were behind this, probably, at least some of them support Trump, you know, who's, who knows, maybe they're anti-Trump Republicans, who's to say, but they probably do, and it, and it, it it's, yeah, 
Yeah, and I get what you said. Like, shame on the Washington Post for publishing this. I get this as part of a, like, it is part of, like, political campaigns. But also, that that feels like that's crossing a line. I don't know what it what the line is, but that just seems so clearly wrong. And especially yeah. when it is like if you if you as a journalist, if I sat and thought about this for two minutes, it's like you're aiding criminals now who are spreading this video without this woman's consent, rather and 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 sort of framing it in a way that makes her seem like she's doing something wrong when she didn't break a law. Like she didn't yeah, again, it seems like she, she what she did was consensual. It was maybe yeah, the tipping thing is the one thing, but like seriously, like yeah, that's that's yeah. Like, oh, she might have broken their like Chatterbait's rule, like like policies. Like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and and I don't know. Like, I I remember when so back in 2010, this woman Crystal Ball was running in Virginia, um, in the Virginia's first congressional district, and. These images of her, they were the, like, tamest images you ever saw in your life. Basically, she went to a Christmas party with her then-husband, and I guess the theme might have been, like, naughty Christmas. And so she's, like, fully clothed. It's, like, her. It's like clearly, like, her and her friends having fun. In one of the pictures, I think she's wearing, like, a, like a sex toy on her nose. But, like, they're, they're, if anything, the pictures are silly. It's like, oh, she went out and had, like, a silly night of fully clothed, adult fun for like a theme party and those pictures like i think she had to drop out of the race and so i'm happy to see that the times have changed a little bit that she that like gibson is not just like dropping out that she's like standing her like standing firm in the fact that this you know she didn't do anything wrong and she's not going to be intimidated by this i will say like having like i like i grew up in uh this area i grew up in chesterfield county which is just one county away from Henrico County, but like it's basically the same town. I I hate to say this. I firmly believe that she didn't do anything wrong. She has nothing to be ashamed of, all of that. I just think the area is such that gender-based double standards when it comes to sexuality, I think is a real thing. And I think that for women especially, there, like, I think that women in Virginia are just held to a completely unrealistic standard that like nobody could meet. And so even if you're not, you know, be on a live stream or whatever, it would be something. It would, they would find something to be like, oh, this, you're not, you're not a proper woman, quote unquote, because of this or that. Like where, when I was growing up, there definitely was the idea that women's behavior was meant to be scrutinized in a way that like, is just like unique for women running for office and women in the public eye. And so I worry that Gibson, like this might give folks in Virginia pause. It shouldn't. And I hope it doesn't uh, because it's nothing. But just just growing up in, in this part of Virginia specifically, I just remember what it was like and how much of life was ruled by these completely regressive binaries and like social norms and rules like how much of that dictated life there i don't know if it's still like that i haven't lived there for many many years but i hope that gibson does not drop out of the race i hope that this does not impact gibson's race because i don't think it should i hope that we are in a different place where hey we're all adults people have sex however you want to get down is however you want to get down if it's consensual if y'all are adults do your thing I hope that I, the only people that I'm like really side eyeing here are the post and whoever that, that like 
fucking hating ass Republican operative was, who was like, hey, Post, you should publish this. Uh, so yeah, Gibson, you have, you, I, I, I'm, I am with you. I think that it's really cool that she is, I don't know. I, I hope, I think this will be a test to see if like, if we really are in a different place. Cause I, and I hope that we are. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too. Well, that is all I have. I feel like this was a tough one for me. I am, I am, I'm sorry, Joey. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm in a weird headspace. Don't mind me. I'm, Mercury's in retrograde. Mercury's in retrograde. Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> I think it's ending tomorrow. We'll all hang in there together until tomorrow. By the time you hear this, it will be over. Uh, Joey, thank you so much for doing the news with me, and I'll talk to you all later. If you're looking for ways to support the show, check out our merch store at tangodi.com slash store. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Edited by Joey Pat. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org.